Good morning, church. Great to be with you again on this Sunday morning. I hope you've had a great Easter. We certainly did. I've got to admit, a few too many eggs might have been eaten. Today, my title is, It Is What It Is, or Is It? It Is What It Is, or Is It? And this title came out of something that Io said when he preached recently, and he was unpacking how, you know, maybe in the previous generation we'd say things like, whatever. Uh, but now it's just like, oh, it is what it is. And it's become, I believe, a bit of a prevailing attitude in and around us. And it's become a popular phrase, oh, it is what it is, isn't it? But the trouble with that phrase is it's dismissive. It's disempowering, it's defeatist, and it combines all these kind of thoughts of, well, there's nothing I can do about it, so, you know, whatever. And probably almost, I don't care enough anyway. And it's an attitude that surrounds us, but I want to stir something more than that in you as an individual, in your household. Now, my hope is to stir some faith in you, to stir you to aim for your best life, to, st to stir you being able to play your part in a much bigger picture. And we can never do that with this attitude of, is it is what it is. Come on, let's stir our faith right now, because it is what it is doesn't allow any room for God to move. Uh, it is what it is, doesn't allow any room for faith to arise. It is what it is, doesn't allow the kind of change where God has to get the glory. And that's the kind of life I want to live. And I know I can't live that with that prevailing attitude of it is what it is. So I want to help you think it through and maybe shift something in your thought process and your faith levels and your expectations. It is what it is, or is it? Here we go. When I was thinking about this and how I might put a message together, straight away my mind goes to, to Joshua, you know, biblical Joshua in the Old Testament, because he lives this out. You know, you picture the scene that at the time Moses is leading the Israelite people into the promised land, the land that God has said, I've given this to you, it's yours, you go get it. And he's taking them there and uh, they're preparing to go in and, and Moses sends 12 spies now, Joshua is one of the spies, and Caleb, Joshua's friend, is another one of the spies. And so they go there, and they see the place, and, and it's amazing, and it's everything they could have ever dreamed of. Uh, but when they get there, they look at it, and it's, there's, some, there's some hurdles to overcome. And this is some of the account of, of the reports that they give, the, the spies give, when they come back to Moses and the, and the Israelite people. I'm going to read to you from Numbers, chapter 13, verses 27 through 29, to start with. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities, cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And so you can see where this is heading. They can say, yes, this is exactly what we dreamed of. But there's lots of people, and they're well organized, and they're big. And you can just start seeing this unpack. It goes on like this in Numbers 13, verses 31 to 33. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim. There, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Can you see the language? The land is brilliant, but they're big, 
and we're small. It can't be done. It is what it is. Can you see how the language unpacks just because what they've seen in the natural, what they've seen in front of them, makes them feel disempowered, and they're like, oh, there's nothing we can do about that. It just is what it is. Now, if it finished there, if this story finished there with that attitude, we would be missing the glorious outcome God wanted for his people. And let's apply that to us today. Let's never miss the glorious outcome God wants for you by walking out this attitude of, oh, I can see it in front of me and it just is what it is. Come on, are we small in our sight or are we God's children? What we would have missed out on is the amazing things that happened as the people walked around Jericho. You know, Joshua and Caleb went to Moses and said, come on, we can surely do this. God's given it to us. And they stirred faith. And Moses said, okay, we're going to do it. And in the end, what happens is Joshua leads the army across the, the Jordan River and they, they, they walk the Jericho walls, this fortified city. Do you know the walls were so thick they had chariot races on them? They were massive. It's not just like a wall that we, you know, like this that we might be looking at. They were so wide, they actually had chariot races on them. They were massive. And God said, walk around the city and do it in silence. And on the seventh day, walk around seven times and then blow your trumpets and give a shout of praise to me. And as they did that, do you know what happens? The, the walls crumble and, the, and the, the people of Jericho are so confused. They, they're so out of their mind with confusion. They turn on each other and start killing each other. And the people of Israel take the land promised them without even having to fight for it. You see, sometimes it looks like it is what it is until you allow God into the equation. And then you can say, or is it? And you see, we need to be people who understand who we are, who lives in us, and who we represent. We need to understand we have the weight of heaven behind us. And sometimes it looks like something, but we need to apply our spiritual principles and our faith and our willingness to step out into something and just create a new story. I believe there's a new story about to be written around you if you'll embrace this kind of message. You know, thank goodness for people like Joshua and Caleb, men who said, we can surely do it. God is with us. I don't know if you've seen the film Eddie the Eagle. It's a bit of a favorite in our household. You know, my son Joshua's just, just about to turn 17 and my daughter Evie's 12 and they're both awesome people. But the age gap's different and then you throw Sarah and I into the mix and we find it quite difficult to find a family film that we're all going to enjoy. And uh, a couple of years back, we watched uh, Eddie the Eagle for the first time. We've watched it a couple of times since. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. And, you know, it's obviously a true story, and you may know the story. But here's this guy who's desperate to go to the Olympics, who, who starts to train in, in, in ski jumping. And he's not brilliant. He's got some talent, but he just will not give up. He travels on his own. He, he, he buys a, a vehicle to travel in. He's got rubbish equipment. He talks someone into training him. He takes massive risks in his training. He hurts himself, but he will not give up. He meets the distance to qualify for the Olympics and is elated. But then, of course, they stretch the distance. And it just the bar just keeps moving. But do you know what? He will not give up. There is nothing in Eddie the Eagle's persona, personality, or thought process that will ever say, it is what it is. He just doesn't. And it's so inspiring when you watch it at the end and he actually performs in the Olympics and the crowd love him and he's a real character and it's just so inspirational. And so I suppose I want to stir in you a little bit of Joshua. I want to stir in you a little bit of Caleb. I want to stir in you a little bit of Eddie. 
Come on, let's get past this whole idea of whatever's in front of us, thinking it is what it is. Because do you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. Let me tell you about Esther, the biblical Esther. And uh, she's a, a beautiful lady, you know, and, and in the time, King Xerxes is looking for a wife. And so they, they put word out and they invite girls to come in and, 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 and meet the king and have a moment with him. And then he would pick who was going to be his wife. And do you know they prepare these girls for a whole year? They beautify them for a whole year. For a lot of girls out there, that might be the dream. To have a whole year making it about me and making me look the best of myself. And Esther went on this journey and she was a beautiful girl. And, and she caught the king's attention and he chose her and she became Queen Esther. But as this is all unfolding, one of the king's officials called Haman, he's plotting to destroy Esther's people. And he's, and he's going he's gonna, to gonna take down the whole nation. It's going to be a complete genocide. And Esther's uncle Mordecai, remember his name, Uncle Mordecai. Esther's uncle Mordecai heard of this, and he gets a message to Esther. And in, in essence, he's saying, you've got access to the king. You could put a stop to this. You are uniquely positioned. You could do something here. And as they're swapping messages, this is Esther's response in Esther chapter 4 and verses 9 through 11. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they will be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter. That's important. They will be put to death unless the king ex extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But for 30 days have passed and since I was called to go to the king. Can you see the language? There is a problem. My people are about to be destroyed. I have access to the king. Esther has access to the king. But she's saying, but the rules, I, I can't approach him. If I approach him, I could die. There's not much I can do. It is what it is. But you know what? Uncle Mordecai would not settle for that. I love Uncle Mordecai. Uncle Mordecai is saying, no. And he pushes back. And this passage here, there's so much in this. Let me read it to you. Esther chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent in this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Probably the most famous phrase in Esther's story. You have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my servants and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Can you see this? There's so much here. There's three things I want to bring out of this that I hope you will find helpful. Firstly, do you have an Uncle Mordecai in your life? I believe we all need an Uncle Mordecai. We all need someone who can see when we're up against something that says, you can do it. Come on, let me stir it in you. Don't allow that prevailing attitude that says, oh, I can't do it. 
It's too much against me. It is what it is. Uncle Mordecai steps in and says, come on. You're in the right position. You can do this. He stirs something in her. And I believe we all need an Uncle Mordecai. Have you got one? And if you haven't got one, pray one in. Look around you and find someone who's that person who sees the best in you and wants to bring the best out in you, who won't let you settle for what's okay. We are not called to okay. Someone who wants you to go for the best, to aim for the highest, to stir your faith. So she has an Uncle Mordecai in her life to press in on her. The second thing we can pull out of this is they fast and pray. You know, they get God in the middle of the situation. Who knows this? That when you look at something in the natural, it may look like it is just impossible and there's no way. But who knows that all things with God are possible. When you bring God into the middle of a situation, who knows what could unfold? And this is where our faith arises. It might look like it's too big. You know, Joshua went with the spies and saw the well-fortified city. He saw the big people. He saw how organized they are. And he looked at it and he could have said, it's impossible. But he didn't. He said, God's given it to us. We can surely do this with God. And here we find Esther doing the same thing. I know the rules. I could die. This is against the law. He hasn't called me in. But we're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're going to put, put God in the middle of the situation and believe that he will shift what looks bad and natural and bring in something supernatural for a different outcome. And this is the third point. And this is, I think, where so often in our Christian journey, this is the step we miss. You know, we get encouraged. We get built up. We think, yes, we pray and we fast and we call God into the situation. But the next thing she does is she puts an action to her faith. I'll approach the king. I'll go. If I perish, I perish. But I'm going to put an action to my faith. Yes, so many of us pray. But we've got to have some action. We've got to go and do something. We've got to step out. We've got to have the conversation. Push the door. All these kind of things. We've got to give God something to work with. And she says, I'll go. And she goes. And here's what happens. Esther chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. On the third day... Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and he held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. I love it. You see what's happened? She's got stirred. She didn't stand back and say, it is what it is. Mordecai wouldn't allow it. Then she prayed and fasted and invited God into the middle of the situation. And then she acted. And as she acted, wow, God was in the middle of it. She was accepted by the king. She didn't perish. And I haven't got time to unpack it all, but cutting a long story short, the king is able to prevent her nation from being destroyed. And in actual fact, Haman was destroyed. God flipped the situation on his head. And come on, how often do we know that God could flip our situations on the head if we'd invite him into the middle and step out into something? Come on, someone out there needs stirring. Let me be your Uncle Mordecai in this moment. Come on, don't settle. There's more for you. When God's in the middle of the situation, all things are possible. Let me stir your faith right now. Come on, get some action to your faith and start stepping out and doing something. I'm just looking to hear your story unfold. You see, I think looking on back on the year we've just had, lockdown's revealed a lot to us. You know, it's revealed what's important to you. 
You know, when things are stripped away, you suddenly realize what's important. You suddenly realize who's important. You might realize some of the changes you'd like to see in and around your life. The thing is, I think, if we're not careful, we go back into life expecting it to be the same or try to slip in our old ruts. But come on again, let me be Uncle Mordecai. Let's not settle. If you wanted to see some change, if you've decided what's important to you, let's go for those things. I believe you were born for this unique time. Esther was born for such a time of this. You, you were born for this unique time. And it's a time that where we know that the word prayer has been Googled more than ever. It's a time that people are reflecting on what life's really all about. It's a time when more than ever people are looking for God. And here you are, this amazing people carrying the heart of the Father, carrying Jesus in, within you, carrying the answers. What a unique time to be alive, a time so full of all kinds of opportunities. So come on, with all these opportunities that are about to unfold before us, let's not settle. Let's not look at it and go, oh, that's a bit tough. There's an obstacle there. It is what it is. No, come on. Let's get God in the middle of it, and let's give him an action to work with. When I look at God's people historically, they are men and women who had backbone. They stood for something. They didn't settle for the status quo. You look at Elijah, you look at, look at Moses, you look at Deborah, you look at Mary, you look at Paul. Countless men and women, brilliant people of faith who just didn't settle for it is what it is. No, 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 no. They said there's something more. There's something more and I'm going to be a person of faith and believe for God's highest and step out and live differently. So what about us? What about you? You know, I don't know what your situation is, but is it what it is? You know, could you look at whatever situation you're in and get God central to it? Could you look at the situation with courage and could you put an action to your faith? I just believe that God is wanting to write a new story with you. If you allow him what looks like, oh, it's just going to pan out this way. If you allow him into the middle and you'll let your faith stir and you'll put an action to that, I believe your story is going to be completely different. And I hope you'll be willing to tell some people because as we testify of God's goodness, it releases faith in someone else. So come on, let me stir you again. I don't know what you're hoping for. I don't know what you're dreaming for. I don't know what your situation is, but I know this. When you get God in the middle of it and you put action to your faith, there's going to be a new story written around you and it's going to be a great story. You might be looking at the things in front of you and think, wow, you know, you might have a, a giant in your way. You might have people and situations that are just blocking your goal. And these things, situations and people just invoke hesitation, maybe even invoke, invoke a bit of fear. You know, do you have a Haman in your world who's trying to destroy your future? And have in all of that you managed to develop this it is what it is kind of culture? But come on, let me stir you. you know, man of faith, woman of faith, child of faith. Come on, God's got a great future for you. And what looks like it might be difficult, don't allow yourself to go, oh, it is what it is. Look, at how am I supposed to overcome that? When you put God in the middle of it, all things are possible. And come on, we are called to be the glorious church. We are called to represent heaven. We are not called just to stop every time something gets a bit difficult. Time after time after time after time, biblically speaking, we see men and women overcoming huge obstacles and God gets the glory. And life on earth is just like, wow. And that's the kind of life I want to live. I'm sure it's the kind of life you want to live. It is what it is or is it? 
Come on, let's, let's hang on that. Or is it because I'm bringing God into the situation? Can I speak to the church, the existing church right now? You know, I believe we, the church, are here for this time. You know, and, and it's a time where we don't need to accept, we don't need to accept the spiritual climate. We are here to bring change. You know, our word for the year is influencers. We are here to influence. You know, the spiritual climate around us, in, in your homes, in your family, in your town, in your nation, it might be at a certain level, but we're not here to just say it is what it is. We are here to influence and bring change. We are here to play our small part in God's dream. And it's God's dream to see, to see people embracing his son, to see people living lives that are healed, to see faith arising, to see the church exploding with hope and life and power, to see people walking with him daily and learning to be more like him. Let's, let's play our part in his dream unfolding. Could we learn not to accept it is what it is for the spiritual temperature in our town? for the spiritual temperature in our homes, for the spiritual temperature in your own personal lives. You know, again, let me be Uncle Mordecai to you. Come on, there's more for you. You are in the right place at the right time. Will you genuinely allow God into the middle of it all and say, stir me, Father. Spark that dream in me again. I can see the obstacles. I can see the boulders. I can see the bigness of all what's in front of me. But I believe in you. And I'm not just going to say it is what it is. Because you live in me, and that means it's possible. So could we stir each other? Could you play your part in saving a nation? Could you play your part in saving this town? Could you play your part in someone in your own family meeting Jesus? Looking at it right now, you think, oh, that's, that's just never going to happen. You know, they're so switched off. It is what it is. Or is it? When you start being the person you are called to be in the right place at the right time, you are here for this unique time. God wants to use you. Come on, let's value who we are and who we carry in our time. I kind of just want to round it up here in this place by reading Tim, uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 6 and 7. It says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Come on, let's, let's round it off by believing that. Come on, God's given us a spirit of power. He hasn't called us to be timid and worried and afraid. He's called us to be men and women of power, of discipline. Let's put in the discipline of practice. They fasted and prayed. Let's come on, let's put the disciplines in place. Let's spend time with our Father. Let's draw near to Jesus. Let's invite the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to live a disciplined life because I want to be a person of power and not a person of timidity. What I love about my Heavenly Father is we're in lockdown right now. We're doing online church, but God is not hindered by lockdown church. God is not hindered by online church. We want to be in person. I'm looking forward to that day. You know, come on, in June, we're going to get together and it's going to go off and there's going to be amazing times in God's presence together corporately. But he's not hindered now. So although I can't physically lay my hands on you, I believe God can still use it. So I'm going to reach out to you in Jesus' name. And I'm going to just say to you, you are not a timid person. You've not been called to timidity. You've not been called to settle for it is what it is. But you're a person of power. You're a person of, of discipline. 
You're a person of hopes. You're a person of dreams. You're a person that carries the very spirit of Jesus. You are here to bring influence. You're not here to settle for what goes on around you. You're here to change what goes on around you. So I stir up that spirit in you right now. I fan into flame that spirit in you right now. In Jesus' name, I pray you'll receive that. And this will be a moment for you. God bless you. You know, I want to play my part personally in my home, in the church I lead, in our town, of seeing the temperature change. Not settling for it is what it is. And we can do that together. So come on, how about we press in? We press into those things. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this opportunity to get around your word. And thank you that every time we get around your word, hope arises. I pray that as people consider this message, Lord God, that hope would arise in them. That they would look at situations differently. Not through the eyes of, oh, that's difficult, but the eyes of this is possible with God. Stir our faith, Lord God, I pray. Lord, stir your church. Stir your church to get you central to everything. That Jesus would literally be the center of our lives. And as we walk out those lives, we would put action to our faith and we would have stories that scream your goodness. Let your people be blessed. I declare a blessing on you, church, right now in Jesus' name. I declare a blessing on everyone who's tuning in right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let me encourage you to go for it. I don't know what your hopes are. I don't know what you're up against, but let me encourage you to go for it. But before we round off and hand back to the worship team, I want to give anyone an opportunity to encounter Jesus. You know, the best thing anyone could ever do, the biggest decision you could ever make is to invite Jesus into your world. It's a life changer. It, it changes your, your eternal perspective. It changes your experience on life. He comes in and he brings healing to all the history that you might be carrying. He puts a fresh hope in your heart. All things are possible with him. And you know what? It takes a yes in your heart and a yes in your mouth to Jesus and they'll take you on a journey. He calls us to live differently. He calls us not to carry on living like everyone else does, but to, to look to him and, and walk out life with him under his principles. But we can do that. So let me pray with you. If you're someone saying, yeah, come on, I want to experience this life of Jesus, I want to pray with you right now. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Today I say yes. There's a yes in my heart and there's a yes in my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I invite you into my life right now. I'm sorry for the way I've lived that's kept you separate, but today I embrace you and I say, be the center of it all. Lead me forward. I'm looking forward to my life panning out with you in the middle of it all. And I thank you that my eternity is secure. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that, please get in touch. We'd love to walk it out with you. We'd love to get some people around you to help you to walk it out. We're not called to do this together. But God bless you. What a decision you've made today. Hey, I'm going to hand back over to our worship team as they lead us out on some praise. But it's been my privilege to share with you again today. God bless you. Have an amazing week. If you said yes to Jesus today, we are celebrating with you. We would love to pray with you and send you a Bible and some resources to get you started on your faith journey. Please go to equippers.co.uk forward slash I said yes or follow the link in the chat box so we can get in touch.